You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well met, fellow adventurers. It is time to continue to find a way deeper into the mad. But first, let's just boost ourselves with this fountain. Alright, another stamina point. Not so bad. Okay, adventures. Fort Ironwind. The man in, we in the red armour steps forward and thrusts out his white hand. You instinctively fall back and assume a defensive stance. Your swift manoeuvre, elicting a series of puzzled looks, looks from the armoured stranger and the grim hooded men at his side. Start the adventure. Here we go. An hour after dawn, in a clearing just inside the edge of the forest, south of High Meadow. And the last of them turned tail and fled, says Emnid Harla, concluding her account of a run-in she had with some highwaymen on the northern edge of the hard hills. I've always said this was a forgotten part of the kingdom. Anyone travelling through these hills best best be able to take care of themselves. The diminutive golden haired woman thanks you for meeting with her. You received her message via courier nearly three weeks ago, almost a month after you returned from Fallen Tree. The ruined temple temple deep within the treacherous reaches. Dragomir Deep. Before telling you about her journey to, to, to before telling you about her journey to High Meadow, Emily Part Emily Taylor was quick to reveal that Gar, one of the three brave guides who accompanied you on the mission, has already provided her with full details on your trek into to, into the Lost Temple. So the curse is lifted. She says, her voice lingering over the last word. It's the best news I've had in a while. One less thing we need to worry about. We are now closer. That's something that cannot be denied. Yet we have so very far to go. So it, so it always seems. It is a tireless affair, Zoop. I would be untruthful to say I haven't grown weary of it. And that... I don't fear the end to which it will likely lead us. However, one step at a time. Timeless advice. So, any trouble on the road? Since we're standing face, face to face, let's assume it couldn't have been in anything you couldn't, you weren't able to handle. Unable to come up with anything to top the story she just related to you. Battering and, battering and eliminating four warriors. Four warriors who ambushed her on a lonely road on the northern edge of the Heart Hills. You shake your head and report an uneventful journey. I can't properly express the relief it brings to us, all of us, to know that you're on our side, she says, her wary expression. 
momentarily giving way to a faint smile. You must be wondering why I asked you to come. I asked to come meet me. Well then, get straight to it. Something's come up. Emma, I'll tell you that an agent, those services she acquired, in a desperate bid to locate the last two pieces, the marking that adorned your left wrist, is believed to have found that which she set set out to find. Her tone decide. Her tone simply turns grim when she reveals that she has only recently learned that she and her fellow adherents were likely double-crossed. His name is Dibrick Ardmore, he says, pausing as if, if to see whether or not the name relics any sign of recognition from you. You likely know him by his rather famous moniker, Scavenger. His talents are legendary as is his penchant for dishonesty, betrayal, and murder. I ought not to have been surprised by the difficult spot which our association with Jibrick has placed us, but given what we all, we're all we already up against, it's a setback we can ill afford. Scavenger, there's a link here. Scavenger. Jibrick Ardmore, best known by his legendary moniker, Scavenger, is a thief and a famous explorer. And an explorer famous for acquiring numerous artefacts and rarities both for himself and for various clients throughout the realms. Through many of the many of the accounts of Scavenger's exploits depict him to be a beloved sort of character who plies his trade to help those in these. Indeed, most believe that the real Jebrick Ardmore is a ruthless outlaw. Those tactics involve cruel deception, thievery, and murder. As famous as the tales featuring uh, Scavenger's adventures have become, very little is known about him. Some have simply some have gone so far as to suggest that Scavenger doesn't even exist and that this, his fictional personage and history simply was born and grew out of the mincing of, ve- of, of many well-established tales. Oh, okay, that last part isn't true. Apparently he exists, at least. Apparently he's betrayed us. <laughs> oh, well. That happens. With her face flushed and her voice quivering, revealing a thin sliver of rage, Imlet Haler forces a smile and exhales sharply. Scavenger, as well as we were able to discern, found something about the pieces of the symbol, perhaps the pieces themselves, on Mount Corrigan. We have to believe, have to believe that whatever he discovered was in the key keeping of another associate of ours, a man whose name name you might also recognise. In fact, I have to assume you've heard of Redleg. Redleg. He also has a link, Redleg. Redleg is the only known name of a notorious brigand, those rugged band of highwaymen, long-played travellers making their way along the ancient roads, passing between the kingdoms of Tysa and Wysel. Wysolian by birth, Wegleg is said to have achieved leadership of the outlaw band he has led for nearly two decades by murdering its former chief. Believed he is a strict disciplinarian, those brutal tactics have earned him both the fear and respect of those he commands. A heavy, imposing figure, Regleg is rumoured to possess incredible physical strength and endurance. Though it is so much better now, in the later years of his life, such capabilities are likely diminished. Though fond of wearing the colour red, it is believed that the bandit chief's odd moniker comes from a long scar said to one the length of his white leg. With several sizeable bounties having been placed on him in both Tysa and Warsaw, Redleg and his most loyal compatriots 
are believed to have taken refuge somewhere in the vast and unforgiving reaches of the Allspun Mountains. Which also, there's an also a link for those mountains. The Allspun Mountains. This vast mountain range spans near the entire eastern flank of the Kingdom of Tosa and serves as the natural border between Tysa and Warrior Several passes high amidst the towering peaks of its imposing range of the passage into the two kingdoms through the daunting prospect of attempting to transverse the perilous gaps has seen to it that, path, that the paths are infrequently travelled. Legend tell of a series of deep tunnels that pass beneath the mountains connecting Wyssel and Tysa and Wyssel. The tunnels are said to have been constructed during the age of storms by a race of giants who have long since vanished. One of the tallest peaks in the mountains in the Allspans is Mount Carragon. Oh, that's enough of that. Both Scavenger and Wegleg are lone to you. Few indeed are those living across the breadth of the North Broadlands who aren't familiar with the tales of the two notorious outlaws. Emmett Tyler tells you that that scavenger was paid a large scum of, sum of gold to locate the final pair of marking. The last two pieces of the emblazoned key, the ancient enchanted symbol that will unlock the lowest reach, which is a Wackner's deadly labyrinth. Scavenger is a name that Jibrick has well earned, she says. His ability to find and recover the rarest and most obscure things is without peer. So extraordinary are his talents. Many claim he can't possibly be human, though I pay no mind to such talk. There is nothing mystical about a well-practiced thief. As I said, he's very good at finding things. He's just not very good at giving them up. You learn that Aemlitala has just received word from a former discipline of the ancient forbid, forgotten faith to which he adheres. You're startled to learn that this former discipline, disciple, a man Emlet Taylor describes as having been being the last of her nameless faiths leaving elders is none other than the, the fabled outlaw known as Wedgleg. Wedgleg sent one of his men to inform me he has recently been paid a visit by a mutual acquaintance, that being the scavenger, and that something valuable has been stolen. I don't think I can. I need tell you who this acquaintance was, and I dare say we can both guess the nature of what was stolen. Emmett Harler goes on to tell you the Red Legs messenger indicated the scavenger arrived at his lord's stronghold, the crumbling mountain fortress of Ironwind, un under the pretense of seeking an obscure bit of law one of the tomes housed, housed in the fortress's vast library. Okay, there's a link for Ironwind. Let's click that. Fort Ironwind. The origin of the ancient fortress of Ironwind. Perched on the treacherous, snow-laden reaches of Mount Caragan, is shrouded in mystery. The fort, a grim stone structure overlooking one of the high passes highest passes in all of the Allspun Mountains is believed to have been be well over a thousand year old, though who it was constructed it, and for what purpose, remains unknown. Reaching the fort is no easy task, apart from the deadly perils associated with the harsh, wintry, unforgiving weather that assails Caragon's Peak. The narrow spine of ledge that once led to the fort, the foot of the foot, the fort's perch long ago crumbled away. Okay, here's a link for Caragon. Mount Caragon, the snow-capped giant. 
giant known as Mount Calagon is one of the highest peaks in all the Alspern range. Near the summit of this grand mountain stands the long abandoned fortress of Fort Ironwind. Sca Scavenger and Greatleg were once brothers in arms, she says. Each has claimed to have saved the other's life. Rivalry and distrust, though alive in abundance between them, has never been enough to turn one upon the other. Greatleg was foolish to let Jebleg get close as it is, and I fear our cause may well suffer for it. The young woman casts her gaze along the northern edge of the clearing before continuing. Had I even the faintest notion the Wegleg might know something about the symbols, I would have gone to him at once. Saved all of us quite a deal of trouble, she says. Created quite the tangle by involving Scavenger. For that, I'm truly sorry. You ask Emmett Harlow if she know, knows for certain it was something related to the emblazoned mark the Scavenger took. She nods without hesitation. I can't be certain, of course, but I won't hesitate to conclude the obvious, she says. Something led Scavenger to Wedleg, and for Scavenger to undertake such an arduous journey. We can assume it was nothing less than what I paid him to find. It's very likely we'll soon find ourselves confronted with a ransom to acquire whatever he's managed to lay his hands upon. We... We haven't yet had word from Je that we haven't yet had word from Jebekis, however, troubling. I've managed to convince myself that he would he would have no personal interest in the pieces of the mark or anything related to them. Of course, the odious possibility remains that he has found or has been found by someone who does. Before you can ask what your next move will be, Emlet Harler answers your unspoken query with a simple and direct statement. Redleg has asked to meet with you. Emmett Harler tells you that Redleg, a man who continues to evade the sentence of death passed upon him both Tysa and his native Wyrsel, has requested that you come to Ironwind, the remote crumbling mountain fortress that has long served as his place of self-imposed exile. He must know something of our endeavours, he says. He may not be at liberty to leave his fort, but he has eyes and ears all across the realms. He may also, also have learned something from the scavenger. I confess that I don't, don't know the confession the precise reasons behind his request to see you, but if Jaminit has if Jeblik has betrayed us, we could ask for no better counter than the help and cooperation cooperation of old Wedleg. Though you can plainly see the wisdom in what Emilit Harris thus said, the prospect of a long and perilous trek to the icy upper regions of our Mount Caragon is a thought that immediately fills you with dread and dismay. Emily Carr's next words, however, cross such misgivings. We cannot delay. If you are ready, I will open a portal that will take you to the gates of Ironwind. We can at least find out what it is that Redleg has to say. Oh, that's convenient. Hmm, you should open portals. Why wasn't there a portal to the, the temple? Oh, I don't know. Probably a reason. It's probably a reason. Probably, probably because there actually isn't somewhere, someone in that temple who could, you know, put some sort of thing to help us, to help anchor the other side of the portal. Maybe that's it. Within moments, Emilit Har has begun what seems like an inver fairly involved series of actions designed to open a portal that will take you to Fort Ironwind. You watch with growing curiosity as the young woman sets out three small rounded stones 
in a triangular formation, touching each rock with the tip of a wooden wad. She removes a cloth pouch from the length of rope serving as her belt and loosens its cinched top. Tilting the pouch slightly, she, pour, she pours a small sa- pile of sand into the triangle formed by the three stones. Apparently satisfied, she moves to your side and places her hand on your shoulder. When you step into the sa- step onto the sand in the middle of the stones, you'll open the portal, she says. Once you've passed through the portal, whatever you do, remain still. You may see things and hear things. They may indeed be real, but you mustn't deviate from your course. If all is right, within a few moments, you'll be standing at the gates of thought. Trusting what she has just said, and eager to embark on what what may well prove to be a crucial step in obtaining in obtaining the west of the emblazoned key, you move toward the stones. You pause before stepping into the triangle and turn to look look at Amy Taylor, the young woman, her face betraying just a hint of some deep, well-concealed agitation, nods. Mind yourself, she says again, nodding. Red leg has always been straight with me, but this is a strange business. It's difficult to see every possible entanglement, or to guess at every conceivable turn of events. The portal you're about to open will serve to bring you straight straight back here. I'll be waiting for you. With that, with that you bid her farewell, and, and step onto the pile of sand in the centre of the arranged stones. The sand-covered ground beneath your feet begins to begins to quiver, quivers, and a dazzling white light erupts from the earth, blinding you with a flash as it stabs into the overcast early morning sky. Then, in the next moment, there is only the terrifying silence and the cold, devouring darkness of the void through which you're tumbling. You instinctively wake to find yourself lying face down in the snow. Instinctively, you rise to your knees and wipe away the, the frost and ice clinging to your, tor- to your face and torso as you stervi- survey the wintry landscape that surrounds you. Gusts of snow-laden wind howl past, assailing your exposed fesh- flesh. With, with, with a stinging, deadly chill as you slowly regain your feet and attempt to gather your bearings. To the east, perhaps less than a mile distance, you, you can see what appears to be the sheer rock face of a towering mountain peak. You can only assume you are looking at the summit of Mount Caragon, for there is no sign of your intended destination ancient stronghold known as Fort Ironwind, suddenly, as if triggered by some, something, something around you. A flood of memories come to the fore of your thought. You recall meeting with Emily Tala outside Heidelberg and listening to, her as she, as she, listening to her as she told you about her attempts to locate the final two pieces of the emblazoned key. You recall her account, which which concluded the treachery of a legendary thief known as Scavenger. A request request for your presence made by the notorious outlaw brigand named Redleg, and the portal Emlikana opened, which presumably brought you here. As best as you're able to tell, you're not where... You're not where you're supposed to have arrived. There's no fault in sight, and no sign of anyone or anything else alive on the bleak landscape, obscured and ravaged by the biting wind that heralds the impending arrival of a fierce winter storm.
drink. Despite a growing sense of dismay, you quickly realise that unless you begin to move, you're likely to freeze to death in a matter of moments. With, with the snow-laden wind lashing at your every step, you struggle eastward and upward, upward towards the distant rock face, hoping you will soon find a suitable spot in which to take shelter from the burgeoning storm. As you proudly press on through the drifting snow, your legs aching and your lungs burning with each frigid breath drawn, hope begins to give way to despair. Sensing that you're growing delirious from the deadly cold in which you're immersed, instinct takes over and you redouble your efforts, de defiantly pacing one foot in front of the other as you continue to slowly cross the frozen landscape. Your search for, for shelter comes to an abrupt halt when you suddenly catch sight of a massive shape moving through the piercing snow to your left. With your head with your limbs and with your head and limbs throbbing, you strain your strain your eyes against the storm's building fury in an attempt to make out what it is that's closing in on you. Only seconds after after first spotting it, the the moving shape vanishes. Unknown un, unable to whisk waiting for it to reappear, you struggle on through the howling icing wind, your eyes scanning in every direction for anything might provide adequate shelter. A deafening war to your left suddenly clears your thoughts. You spin in direction of the ghastly sound and find yourself confronted by a towering, two-legged beast covered in thick fur. The creature, which in some respects, respects resembles a troll, unleashes a, deafly, a second bellow as it bounds towards you. It's massive, Fang-filled jaws stretched wide. Quite a few options here. I could use archery, woodmanship, the fortification, elementalism, telekinesis, or I could attempt to flee, or I could hold my ground and face the charging beast. Hmm. Okay, I'll use telekinesis. It succeeded. 16x speed to telekinesis. You channel your power and project a powerful blast of telekinetic energy into the midsection of the charging beast. The devastating impact sends the creature sprawling onto it onto its back where it weaves about bellowing in agony as it struggles to regain its feet wasting no time you rush forward and deliver the creature a staggering blow despite having despite having been seriously wounded the creature seems undeterred as it rises up and spins towards you you swiftly draw yourself to combat where he stands and prepare to fight. Struggling to dodge the savage stripes of the creature's clawed hands, you boldly engage the hulking beast. It's an Igoral and it's wounded. Now, previously, we fought some of these in. in in Dagger Peak, and we found some of those whore, some of their fur, their, their furs, long, long, long ago, in the cave we explored in the Savage Wild Adventures. But anyway, let's look at their link. Our goal: these massive, savage, fur-covered bipeds 
larger than the largest of forest trolls, inhabit the icy upper reaches of Osborn Mountain, where they carve out a grim existence, slaying and devouring anything unlucky or foolish enough to cross their path. In recent years, Oregon sightings have dwindled, leading many to believe that the fearsome creatures long the bane of travellers braving the high mountain passes, are beginning to die out. Most of the recent sightings of Orgo have taken place on the steep slopes, slopes of towering Mount Corrigan, one of the highest peaks in the entire Allspring Range. The broad, muscular, imposing frame of Orgo is covered by a thick coat of white and grey fur, Long arms and legs allow the creatures to move through deep snow with relative ease, and their large clawed hands are capable of bringing down most prey with a single blow. Due to their durability, warmth and rarity, Irrigo hides are prized by those seeking to craft armour or attire out of them. If you should happen upon an Irrigo during your adventures, you might want to take a moment to reconsider the sort of places in which you're adventuring. Okay, and now, let's fight the Aragol wounded. The massive creature swats at you with its clawed hands because its wounded hasn't got that much health left. And it is slain. 38 XP. You stagger back from the bloodied carcass of the slain beast and become immediately mindful of the throbbing pain affecting your head and limbs. The deep cold, driven on the breath of the gathering storm, is beginning to exact a deadly toll. Having come to the realisation that unless you find shelter you will surely perish, you're about to strike out to the east, heading for the towering distant rock face. <coughs> when a savage bellow rises above the howl of the wind. You turn to your white just in time to see another of the hulking, fur-clad creatures bounding through the snow. Before you can react, the beast is upon you, striking out with its massive, clawed hands. In a remarkable display of agility, you dodge the creature's initial ta attack and twist your white in anticipation of countering the vicious strike. You've taken a single reluctant step towards the menacing beast when it suddenly staggers backwards, clutching at an arrow protruding from its left breast. I didn't find an arrow. Guess there's someone else here. A thick torrent of blood spills out of the wound, painting the creature's grey, white and grey fur a deep shade of crimson. Again, the hulking beast staggers, swaying uneasily from side to side. Your eyes are immediately drawn to its lower torso, from which the ends of two more feathered shafts now protrude. The hideous creature stumbles forward and sinks to his knees, bellowing in agony <coughs> as it desperately claws at the arrows whittling its body. Seizing the opportunity, you leap forward and deal the beast a decisive blow. You turn away from the carcass and scan the immediate area, seeking any sign of the archer or archers responsible for bringing down the creature, but the wind-driven snow makes it impossible to see anything beyond a few yards in any direction. Before you can contemplate your next course of action, the deadly chill that clings to the mountaintop at last overwhelms you. Light-headed and weak, your thoughts jumble by the onset. Your thoughts jumble by the onset of delirium. You stagger forward several feet and collapse into a snowdrift. The last sound you hear before your eyes close and everything goes black is the deep, rhythmic pounding of blood surging through your ears. Oh, oh, I'm dead, I guess. Oh, unless these people help me out. I hope they help me out. Your eyes spring open, for a moment you can see nothing but a mottled, churning field of crack and blay. Black and grey. Gradually, flecks 
Specks of flickering orange light appear at the edge of the swirling tapestry. The lights dance back and forth across your vision, field of vision before abruptly vanishing. A split second later, your sight returns. Doing your best to ignore the fogging ache originating at the base of the skull, you sit up and immediately note you're in the centre of a large stone chamber. Several ensconced torches and a lamp burning on a nearby table illuminate the vast space. He's awake, says a deep voice from behind you. We're right here. How do you feel? You instinctively struggle to your feet and turn to find four men standing only a few feet away next to a long tabletop. Table atop wit west, three glowing lanterns. Three of the men are clad almost entirely in furs, while a fourth, a heavy bearded fellow, larger by far than those who flank him, bears a mix of splint, scale and leather, each piece of armour a varying shade of red. The bearded man bows and steps around the table, cursing as he brushes past one of the lanterns and knocks it over. One of the men, other men quickly steps in and wipes the toppled lamp. As if startled by his own display of temper, he mutters what sound like, sounds like an apology. The man, the man in red armour steps forward and thrusts out his right hand. You instinctively fall back and assume a defensive stance. Your swift manoeuvre eliciting a series of puzzled looks from both the armoured stranger and the grim hooded man at his side. You've nothing to fear from us, he says the deep rumble of his voice becoming an ominous echo that carries through the chamber. Indeed, how might we be considered a threat to any man who would willingly face a charging Urgal? You may not know us, but there is little doubt as to who you are. Welcome to Fort Ironwindzoop. The man in red armour, his white arm still extended, steps forward and presses his broad hand against your left shoulder. Set at ease by his words and demeanour, you relax your guard and meet him in the, in the gesture, completing a shoulder cross. The Urgal might not have been enough to tear you down, but the mountain is a relentless beast, he says, giving name to the creatures you'd encountered upon your arrival in this icy realm. Had we not been pursuing those creatures you tangled me, I can't say you would have ever made it off this peak. You wouldn't have been the first or the last to have gone to your final rest here. The man's face, must have much of it obscured behind the unkempt beard that spills down over his neck and across his wide breastplate, reddens until it's nearly assumed the quick the same crimson hue as his armour. Forgive me, with so few visitors, I'm afraid our, our manners leave a bit to be desired, he says, his tone generally apologetic. I'm Redleg, and the three men behind me, the very three who carried you out of the storm, are Jod, Bremlick, and Urwand. Another Jod? There sure are a lot of Jods around. Now, Emmett Harler has told you what she knows, but she only knows what I allowed my messenger to relate to her. She doesn't yet know all I have to reveal. Come, let us discuss this in a more comfortable setting. Your stamina points have been fully restored. Yep, just, you know, having a nice sit. Seated at the far end of a cavernous chamber, before the death... The dancing orange blaze that fills a broad, deeply recessed fireplace. You speak alone and at length with Red Glen. The notorious outlaw tells you that he has, by way of his many agents throughout Tysa, followed, with great interest, your attempt at peer, pu pushing into the lowest reaches of Wagner's labyrinth. The maze was once a passion of mine, he admits, handing you a leather vessel filled filled with winter sigh, a potent, blood-warming spirit, most commonly found in Wyrsel. There's a link for winter sigh. This potent, 
blood-warming spirit can be found throughout the North Broadlands, but is most commonly crossed in the Kingdom of Warsaw, particularly during the colder months. Of course, I never did more than study the old books and listen to the old tales. Adventure for the sake of discovery, or for the sake of adventure itself, was never something that held any interest to me. And now, hunted I as I am, in most, in most half-hospitable regions, like some wild beast, I can only look on these things from afar and hope wherever I can. And whenever I think I should. You ask Red Glen, Redleg about Scavenger's visit. <coughs> Letting the, le- the legendary bandit know all, all that is courier related to Eminent Harla. He pours himself a second hoping of the bitter spirit and nods. I ought to have cut his throat and pitched his carcass to the Argo, he says frowning. He came here pretending to seek my help, which I would gladly give to anyone in honest need of it. Jibrick and I aren't friendly, not by any means, but loath would I be to, be to ever turn him away at the gates. So when the gates scavenger entered Ironwood, my home, the last refuge known to me, to my children, to my wife, to my company, and he violated the compassion I was foolish enough to extend to his plight. Vegler told you, scavenger told, told him he needed to consult an ancient tome he knew existed in a vast library hidden within the bowels of a remote mountain fortress. They told me his wife and child were hopelessly ill, said Vegler, a grim edge sharpening the deep, rumbling tone of his voice. He sought something of a cure in one of the books, but it seems he didn't find it. He was a broken man because of his soup. And he left early one morning, before I could properly send him off. I would have given him anything he needed. Anything within my power would have helped in even the slightest way. There is, after all, no true value in acquired things. The twenty years I spent robbing and the two decades I spent sulking and hiding are pr- hiding as a result of it are proof enough of that. You asked the legendary brigand leader about Scavenger's account regarding his wife and child. You then ask him what was stolen. Pays me to say, say it, but I didn't believe what he told me, not even from the outset, he says. He came here to acquire something from me. Something he well knew I wouldn't give up. He took a map, upon the backs of which was written an old wine. The wine speaks of markings, able to move from stone to flesh. Speaks of the very symbols you speak. And the map marks the ages old resting place of one of the symbols. Realising at once that Jibrick Ardmore, the infamous thief, known as Scavenger, is now in possession of a map leading to one of the two missing pieces of the emblazoned key. You ask Redleg about the stolen document, smiling as if the verbal at- exercise brings him sacred satisfaction. Redleg recites what he tells you is the first part of the wine scrawled across the back of the s- stolen map, along the golden forest snaking path. Through, the, through a veil of waking stone, stone and into the waning twilight, beyond the great moor of the devouring earth, deep in the sightless depths, wives he those hands will receive and bear my mark. Wagert tells you he has to suspect that Scavenger has gone off in search of the piece of the symbol to which the map apparently leads. When, he, when, when you ask him what the map, about the map's marked destination, he tells you. He tells you. Tells you he is in the cave of Mawamok. Okay, there's a link here. Mawamok. The caves of Mawamok. 
The fabled caves of Maramog, tucked away within the tangled heart of Bellsong Slough, remains a place surrounded in mystery. Its origins and history steeped in legend. As, cold, as told in countless tales, Maramog was once home to a race of beings formed out of living stone, known as Wailunorok. These benevolent beings kept watch over the cave and its many hidden secrets. According to the legends, a great cataclysm befell the Wailun Morak, and the guardians of Maramog slipped back into the shadowy recesses of the great caves and vanished. For over a thousand years, the caves were lost, all but forgotten. Then, nearly two centuries ago, Maragog was rediscovered by a band of intrepid explorers from Trific. These four brave souls plunged into Belsong Sal and found the mouth of the legendary cave. The adventurers, led by a sorceress named Kelisar, made several expeditions into the cave, recording their findings and progress in a series of journals. Deep inside the caverns, they encountered an area where the damp air of Maragog turned poisonous. After losing, losing several members of their party to the deadly atmosphere, Kerasana's companions abandoned their exploration of the caves. Since Kerasana's expeditions into Maramog, many adventurers have attempted to follow the path laid out by the sorceress and her band of explorers. So far, none have been able to figure a way past the toxic breath that rises out of the dirty, murky depths of the cave, though numerous indeed are those who have perished in the attempt. Okay. That bit of the Wyrmer I recited for you was on the back of the map, he says. The rhyme is part of an old tale for children about the stone men of Maramog. The map points to what is supposedly the hidden entrance to the cave, south of Cyburn Forest, in the hidden in, in the swamp known as Bells, Bellsong Slough. There's two more links here, Cyburn Forest. The Grand Golden Wood, as it is known throughout Tysa, Stretches from the southeastern shores of Moonlight Lake to the northern end of Bellsong Slough. The second length of Wither Twind car carves a path through the centre of the ancient forest before skirting the moor south and east of Serbrin, passing by the city of Twinmador and emptying into Barrow Lock. Several roads pass through the Great Forest though only a few of those are still used with any frequency. Alright, and there's a link for Bellsong Slough too. Few places across the North Broadlands are more seeped in superstition and some synonymous with peril than the vast swamp known as Bellsong Slough. Located below the southern reaches of Cyburn Forest, the slough has long been a place avoided by even the most seasoned adventurers. The swamp derives its name from the ghostly sound the ancient bell, of ancient bell that can, from time to time, be heard toiling somewhere in the tangled depths of the great bog. Several legends tell of an ancient city that long ago sank into the deadly morass. These same legends speak of the restless dead, former inhabitants of the sunken city, sunken city who yet prowl the swamp. Despite the many stories associated with Belsong Slough, Belsong Slough, the swamp is perhaps most famous as the location of the caves of Maramog. The mind quickly tongues up an image of a sulking, hooded character struggling through a tangled swamp his hand clutching the stolen map. It's then that the daunting reality presented by the unwelcome turn of events hits you. Wegleg seems to sense your growing despair, and is quick to say something that serves to ally at least a portion of your fears. Sa Scavenger's got the map that will lead him 
to and through Malmark, he says, again filling his vessel with winter sigh. But he can't yet have acquired what he seeks. The map will lead him into the marking, but it won't help him survive the deadly air in those caves. If he's got something to counteract the poisonous atmosphere in Malmog, then he's, then he's more clever than I give him credit for. I dare say, though, you're far more capable of handling the sort of powers one is likely to encounter in a place like Malmog than would be old Jebic. Of course, there's no way to know that he would go in there himself. He may simply have acquired the map for someone else. Given our present circumstances, we're left to assume that someone else isn't either you or your friends. Red Glen drowns his, downs his drink and says something for the first time since you made your unceremonious arrival on the mountain. Which buoys your sinking spirits. It isn't all bad news though. For I know something old Jibak doesn't, he says smiling. Something he might have discovered he had not departed in such haste. Actually, need the truth be known, I'm surprised he didn't know of it. The location of the other missing symbol. It's right here, practically beneath our feet. Regler tells you that while it is almost a certainty that one of the three pieces of the emblazoned key lies somewhere in the depths of Malamog, the last piece is here. Mount Karakon, in a system of caves that sprawls beneath the fort. The bandit chief strokes his thick beard and asks to see the mark emblazoned on your left wrist, though taken aback by the bold request. Still uneasy about the intimate knowledge he seems to have of your affairs, you reveal the marking. Thank you. It is now only of historic interest to me, he says, though I will readily admit the meaning it once held was far greater than I can possibly express to you. I must delay you no longer. I will show you the caves beneath this fortress. There you will find one of the symbols you seek. I must assume you know how to move the marking from stone to flesh? Come, follow me. Freeze your drink yet? No. I would strongly suggest you do. You'll be glad to know it's lingering warmth. Once you're down below the footings of iron wind. Red Glen stands up and makes his way to the door that opens onto the fort's main hall. You follow Haftim, but have taken only a few steps when you're suddenly overcome by a frightening, disorienting sensation. A bright silver light floods the chamber. You quickly throw up your hands in an attempt to shield your eyes. Seconds later, when the light has faded, you lower your hands and find yourself face to face with the pale blue apparition of Wagner, the ghostly image you've encountered numerous times while exploring the labyrinth. You get all the way over here? <laughs> the apparition of Wagner, depicting the sorcerer as a young but bent, as young but bent, his slender face devoid of emotion, seems to look past you as it begins to speak in a low, steady voice. You are on the white path, he says. You must acquire the part, part of the key that lies here, on Mount Caragon. I only ask that you hurry. I will not again be able to appear to you here. Wagner's apparition flares brightly, and a jumbled stream of strange thoughts and blurred images surges through your mind. The sensation rapidly fades, fades and the ghostly image before you his head now bowed vanishes uh, abruptly returned to the present you look up to find Wegled standing in the arched doorway leading out of the chamber and into the main corridor he stares at you expectantly though it's easy to see based on his unaffected demeanour that he witnessed nothing of your phantasmal encounter are you alright? he asks still shaking off Aragon's chill, I suspect. No matter. The climb down to the caverns below will help to warm you. And if you believe that, I've got a sword of mesic to sell you. Let's go. On the lowest level of Fort Ironwind, beneath the fortress 
outpost sprawling labyrinth of dungeons. Red Glen leads you down a final flight of steps and along a frigid passage. A thin sheen of ice clings to the massive stone blocks that make up the walls, floor and ceiling of the long corridor. After nearly 30 yards, the passage ends at an iron door. The highway steps up to the floor and, and tests its heavy latch, lifting a series of sharp groans echo back along the corridor as it repeatedly lifts and lowers the sturdy metal square. We had just a bit of trub- trouble with Aragal coming With Aragal coming into the fort from the caves, he says. This door has kept them out of here. But I'm sure you're going to find a few wandering around in there. Where again tells you that the icy caves stretching beneath the fort are vast. But by heading east, you will eventually find the mark. The symbol you seek, he says, is emblazoned upon a natural stone pillar. Far eastern end of the caves. Of course it's at the far end. It's not going to be white at the entrance. Otherwise there's no point for having the west of the cave. Red Glen tells tells you that you should make haste and not tarry in the caves. He again makes mention of the Aragal and advises you to avoid them if possible. The bellow of one will bring about any others lurking nearby, he says. Even a man of your particular talent might find himself put to fend off a handful of those beasts. Since be no end of them in this ma- on this mountain. But they do play a part in helping to make our little abode a less inviting prospect for those who might entertain the dangerous notion of trying to reach us. Redleg meets you in a shoulder cross and wishes you luck. He then produces a key and unlocks the iron door. The heavy slab of metal groans as he pulls it ajar. After a brief struggle, during which his face turns a bright shade of crimson, doors strung, strung open just far enough for you to slip past. Red Glen tells you that he will close the door behind you, but you can only wrap against it from the other side to have it reopened. I'll have one of my men standing here, waiting for you or not, he says. Make haste, but take care, Zoop. You're about to, s- to slip past the door and enter the caves, when the armoured outlaw grabs your arm and presses a small copper wad into your hand. The thin, unadorned instrument feels remarkably warm. Arago don't seem to like blue fire, he said. How do we find it out? Ask me to tell you about it and we'll a little more time. It's worth a listen. That wad will create blue flame. You can sometimes drive them off with it. I don't know how much power it has left, but there should be enough. I just got the wad of flame. It's a misc item with an encumbrance of one. This, this thin copper wad was given to you by Wedleg. When used, it produced a blue flame. That red leg says may help drive off our girl. You carefully tuck the wad into a spot from which it can easily be reached and thank red leg. He nods and tells you that you best be on the way. And oh, oh, and should you return with our girl hides, I wouldn't turn them down. In fact, I'll pay you for them, you see. There's little better than the hide of an Aragal for keeping out Caragon's chill. Without further delay, you step through the narrow opening between the edge of the iron door and the ice-covered stone wall and into a downward sloping cave passage. To the east, as far as you can go, Reglane calls after you as the heavy slab of iron groans and closes at your heels, sealing you into the frigid gloom. You're standing at the western edge of the cave tunnel, directly in front of the iron door that leads to the lower level of Fort Ironwind. Regler told you that one of his men would be stationed on the other side of the door, prepared to open it in the event that you're ready to leave the caves. So I can head east into the caves. The 
ice-coated walls of the frigid cavern glisten and sparkle as you cautiously make your way through this forgotten lair. And that's... And actually exploring the lair, that will be for the next episode. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.